Welcome to Mortals, a podcast where we explore how humans have managed their dead throughout history. From barrows and burials to cremations and kurgans. We are taking a look at rites, rituals, and practices from around the world. Mortals podcast is for the morbidly curious or the curiously morbid. This week we are talking about songs about death. The content warning for this episode is great music, some really slapping tunes, and that's it. Now, let's get on to the show. So, we're talking about songs about death. I have a lot of feelings about this, and I have a lot to say about songs and death and stories. Um, When I was growing up, there was always music playing. When my dad woke up in the morning, he would put on some of his favorite CDs or mixtapes, because that was what you had in the 90s. And he would spend hours creating these tapes. And then when CDs began to become a thing, he would spend literal hours burning CDs and creating mixtape CDs. And it was <laughs> it was great. Throw some uh, personalized mixes at your friends for the birthdays. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I, I still have a mix CD from my grade three teacher. She made a mix CD for every student class. So oh. shout out to you, Mrs. Kwan. I still have it. It's great. It has songs from YTV. (laughs) Nice. Amazing. Everywhere in my house growing up, there were CDs. Uh, We had a coffee table that was hollow that was filled with CDs. Uh, We had a stereo cabinet. We had shelves that lined our dining room and like an entire room in the basement that was just like lined with... We We had like tens of thousands of CDs in our house growing up. And it's honestly a... It's honestly a surprise that the house didn't just cave in on itself with the weight of all the CDs. (laughs) Me, personally, I am not a very musically inclined person when it comes to playing music, but I really like poetry, I really like stories and epics and ballads and what have you, so I have a lot of feelings about songs and what the words mean and how songs travel through history. Music, to me, is kind of the opposite of death. It is vibrant, and it represents life, and breath, and movement, and love, and anger, and creativity, and lust, whereas death is silent. That being said, music or noise and storytelling is tied into a lot of cultural beliefs surrounding death and the afterlife. Dirges and funeral songs and music are a big part of the grieving process. It allows us to uh, feel our grief reflected back to us to a degree. And, I mean, we all have those couple songs that you listen to when you're sad or upset. And sometimes they make us feel worse, and sometimes they do, in their own way, you know, make us feel better. So I guess, going into this, uh, I have a few, like, framing questions for you, Mariah and Janine, about this morbid medley about songs and death. So, Mariah's writing it down. (laughs) Taking notes. Um, Question one, is there some sort of moral story to the song you have chosen? Is it telling a story of losing someone? Or is it talking about one's personal experience with death or the act of dying? Does it mention the afterlife 
or have any strong moral leanings, such as I rocked out in life too hard, so I'm going to hell, or I am going to sink into the earth and let the moss take me, a la Hosier. <laughs> but just, I guess, with those questions in mind, I'm really excited to see what songs that you guys have chosen, because I think that we all have our very own distinct musical tastes. <laughs> some of our, <laughs> some of whose are a bit more different than others. But Mariah, what do you got for us? Do, 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 do. So as you mentioned, Hosier has uh, some very fun, morbid takes on a lot of things. And I'm going to be talking about the song In a Week. Oh, how exciting. I didn't mean to uh, mention that earlier. I thought you were doing something else. So that worked out perfectly. <laughs> I thought about doing a different song. Uh, I Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Great or choice. Or any of the other many, many songs about death. It's a popular topic that we like to come back to. Love, death, sex, drugs, all sorts of things. And weirdly enough, it's one of the topic genres of music that I'm like, I vibe with this kind of across the board. The others, not so much. <laughs> so In A Week is off of the self-titled album called Hosier that was released in September of 2014. This is the same album that Take Me to Church came off of, and it was the one that kind of launched Hosier to stardom. So Hosier, or as he was born, Andrew John Hosier Byrne, and he was born in March of 1990. He's an Irish musician from the county Wicklow in Ireland, um, which is next to the Wicklow Mountains, which we will mention again in a moment. The album Hosier was reportedly written after the end of his like first major relationship that really forced, forced him to reflect on what love means and all of the ideas associated with that. So there is a lot of kind of ballads and very grounded takes on relationships and interpersonal stuff throughout the album. In a Week is a little bit different. It's still very romantic. It's very whimsical. It's that very Celtic-inspired folk that has certain corners of the internet convinced that this Irish giant is some sort of fey-crossing man. Uh, in a Week is a romantic song about decomposing in a field with your loved one. <laughs> I love Which, it. So it's romantic. So, <laughs> so romantic. I did come across at least one attempted analysis of this song that just staunchly had its mind made up that the song was about the afterglow of sex. And I was like, um, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure this is just about decomposing in a field. And I say that because when I was looking for any analysis about this song, it was not one of the singles that was released off of the album, so there isn't a lot of interviews where he's talking about it, i.e. none that I could find, or really any documented notation about intentions behind the song, um, what Hosier and his co-writer in this song, uh, Soleil Matu Garnett, what they were thinking about as they wrote it. But it was reported that... When he was talking about this song and about the Wicklow Hills, he said, anytime you hear Wicklow Hills, it's usually before or after the words, a body was found. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Again, this is the county that Hosier grew up in. And I was trying to find out how many bodies had been found in the Wicklow Hills, and Google would not give me a straight answer. 
it did give me a report of a 61-year-old grandmother who was found in 15 separate pieces in the Wicklow Hills in, in 2020. Yikes. Oh my god. Uh, there were other bodies that were found in 2017, and there is a satirical article by the Waterford Whispers News, which I'm gathering is an Onion-type publication, but for Ireland, titled, Wicklow Mountain Voted Ireland's Top Place to Dump a Body, and that was published in 2014. Okay. <laughs> so there seems to be some some real merit to this particular sentiment about the Wicklow Hills and the Wicklow Mountains and bodies being found out there. So the song itself is a duet between a man and a woman, unnamed kind of protagonists in this song, laying down to die side by side, hand in hand, and decompose in the field for at least a week before anybody finds them. It has this kind of romantic elopement type vibe, but instead of until death do us part, it has a much more uh, together in death sort of slant to it, which I think is where a lot of that romance comes from, that we will not be separated. Um, we've laid down to die together and to kind of be one with everything, and we'll have this whole week of rotting by each other's side with the animals and the bacteria before anybody finds us and ruins our fun. <laughs> it is a, a beautiful song and very much leans into Hosier's very poetic lyrical style that he has that does a really good job of taking something kind of as unsavory as decomposition of a human body and making it something very profound and cozy and very whimsical. Uh, even with lines like, uh, a thousand teeth and yours among them, I know. Our hunger's appeased, our heartbeats coming, becoming slow. Talking of the different animals that have known our taste and had their fill. There's also lines like, I've never known peace, like the damp grass that yields to me. I've never known colors like these, like this morning reveals to me. So this very open approach to death and decomp and kind of this end of life as a, as a final realization or as a, a moment of revelation about experiences that one could have at the end. Post-mortem. Post-mortem, yes. And I know that you guys know this song, but we'll probably insert a clip in here uh, just under what it takes to get copyright strikes. <laughs> I've actually never heard the song, so. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh. So if we want, I can play it aloud so we can all hear it. So that's uh, music analysis is not something I'm particularly good at. Uh, you would think it would be in the field with 
literary analysis, which is something that I, I spent however many years learning how to do and paying a lot of money to do. But it's a pretty straightforward song. It's, hello, I love you, let's decompose in a field together. And it's a field where a lot of people decompose, apparently. It's an aspirational place. <laughs> aspirational place to, uh, to decompose, yeah. I have a comment for something yes. that you said earlier. Uh, when you mentioned that some people were analyzing it and kind of putting the sexy angle on it. Um, yeah. It's funny because I was looking at a different song. So I didn't do, end up choosing this song, but I was looking at uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery Sings. I think I got the title right. It's by uh, Father John Misty. And I always thought it was about hanging out in a graveyard. Um, apparently it's about sex, so maybe there's, I'm sure there's some deep, or it's specifically, sorry, it's specifically about having sex in a graveyard. I mean, that's I one hanging out. Yeah, I personally don't hear that in the lyrics, but I guess that was, like, the artist has come out and said, no, this was, that's what it's about. <laughs> um <laughs> And I'm sure that there is something that maybe somebody with more analytical powers than us could say about sex and death and life and death and how it's all one chicken and egg circle or something like that. I just thought it was interesting that somebody had that take for In a Week by Hosier because I don't get sex from that song either. But I Yeah, it's way too... It's got way too much of, like, melancholy romance to it, I think, to have... I don't even find it, like, melancholy, personally. Like, it's... it's To me, it's a song to fall asleep to, because it's just so smooth and quiet. I could sink into True. the moss listening to that song. True. But then again, I don't think everybody has the same attitudes towards decomposition as we do. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. But yeah, it's a very... A very sp- Sweet spin on death. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I like. I like the opposition as well to the "till death do we part" sort of thing. That's yeah. so common. Yeah, it it's more a- in death we are united. Yes, forever, forever, and always. We will always be the soil in this field. Well, the song that I chose isn't so much about the bodily death as it is kind of a philosophical take on it uh, and Ooh. on funerals and such in general. Although there is a small bit about the the physicalness of the body and what to do after it. But let me get into it. So the song that I chose is a song called Body in a Box, which is a very functional sounding title. Um, but it's a song by City and Color, otherwise known as Dallas Green, who is a Canadian singer-songwriter who was made famous or became famous through the post-hardcore band Alexis on Fire, which is also a Canadian band. I was going to say, I always forget that uh, he was in Alexis on Fire. And he started City and Color as a side project originally, and that's become his main creative and musical outlet now. And for the longest time, I didn't realize why the project was called City and Color. It's because his name is Dallas, a city, and Green, a color. 
and he did not uh, want to put music out under his own name because he wanted it he wanted people to appreciate the music for what it was and not for who was writing it didn't so. he put out music under the name dallas green i think i might have seen like a music video where it was just him doing like a live show and it was dallas green mm. I think he's been featured in other artists under Dallas Green. Right. But when he does his own stuff, it's always City in Color. Or he actually has an album with Pink as well. Um, I think it's called You Plus Me is their act's name. I think, Mariah, don't you like Pink? I do like Pink. I saw her in concert once and it was great. (laughs) Yeah, You Plus Me is uh, Dallas Green and Pink. So, Anyways, back to the song so body in a box is a track off of city and colors uh, second album called bring me your love it was released in 2008 and even one of the lead like the lead single off the album waiting has a line about death so dallas green he's not shy about writing about death and that's one of the things that i appreciate in his writing he also has a really angelic sounding voice which is another aspect that i really appreciate when listening to his music and he's talked about death in multiple songs he even has an entire album called if i should go before you of which the title track is about if you die before your lover or if your lover dies before you how do you feel about that he was kind of exploring that topic as a an impetus for writing the song. So he's not shy about writing this, these kind of topics. And he's done interviews, which include the interviewer asking specifically about what's with you and death, which I think is so funny because death is one of the big things in life. And it makes sense that people would write about it. But anyways, people are curious as to why he's so commonly writing about death. And one of the things he says, which really rings true for me and one of the reasons why I was so interested in doing a podcast like this is that because death is the one thing that everyone in the world has in common and this is what he says mortality is the one thing that links us everyone likes to think they're different and so very special but in the end we are all born and we all die and we're all fucked up that's why I like to write about it so it's one of those universals that we all share We're all going to die one day. We all have this moment, at least one moment in our lives where we seriously think about death and contemplate it. And when there's music out there that can touch on that, then that can just speak to you a little bit. The song itself was kind of uh, an exploration of what it means to die and what kind of what funerals mean in a sense. So the song starts off, the first verse starts with, There's a funeral procession on the highway, traffic screeches to a halt. There's people searching for a better way to live their lives. Johnny lived a good life, you'll hear them say, as tears of sadness soak the ground. The reaper crept in and took his breath away in the middle of the night. So you're starting off with this situation where someone has died. There's a funeral procession going on. And I don't know if this is a literal example that he's taken from his life that made him think about this subject and kind of write a song about it, or if he's just providing a fictional example. But when you stop and think about it and you see a funeral happening, wow, all those people's lives are being touched at that moment. But also, what does that mean for the person that's died? So Dallas Green, sitting color, has taken this song and this opportunity to kind of interrogate that within himself 
And through the song, he kind of comes to the conclusion that it's strange to only celebrate someone so so joyously or so vehemently only after they've died. And why can't we say all the things we want to say to people while they're still alive? Why can't we celebrate people for what they mean to us before they're gone? And the title of the song, Body in a Box, comes from the second verse where he says... So please don't come to me on my dying day. Just let me go in peace with all the things I forgot to say racing through my mind. And don't you bury me six feet underground. Just burn my body in a box and let my ashes blow with the wind out into the night sky. So he wants to go in peace. He wants to have all the people around him, you know, say what they mean, say what they feel before he's gone. And don't just wait until after someone has already left you to tell them what they mean to you. And that's kind of what I take away from the song is you got to tell people how you feel when they're still here, because what use is it to them after they're gone? It's just very much the funerals are kind of for the people left behind way more than they're for the people who are dead. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I like listening to this song because it makes me think about that. So there's something very unsentimental about body in a box as a concept as well that I really appreciate when you're looking at the examining the the repercussions of a funeral and of a death and kind of taking away that idea as the body still being the home of someone who's not there mm-hmm. and chucking it out a window. Mm-hmm. At what point is it still the person? And at what point is it if Dal Green's lyrics and what he believes about what's happening is his version of it? Uh, he's not there anymore. He's trying to find the light. He's off somewhere and all these people are celebrating this dead person and not actually hadn't taken the time to actually tell the living person before their soul has you know left that body that they're all gathering around. So... I'm sure the bacteria appreciate it, but yeah. Yeah. So like I said, not so much a, um, a take on the, the decomp and the, the literal body. Although, like I said, there's a little, a little bit there about it, but more of a philosophical, here's what I think people should, should do. You should tell people how much they mean to you before they're gone. For a song about death, it sure talks about life a lot. Isn't that the funny thing? It's almost like those are related. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very much so. What? (laughs) What do you mean? I know, but shockingly, everybody who's ever lived in history has also died. It's weird. Can't prove that. Can't prove that. Keanu Reeves (laughs) is immortal. The opposite is true either. Except for Keanu Reeves, <laughs> he is—he's a—he's a recent figure, though. So we'll see. So they say. So they say. I don't know. I've seen some um, pretty interesting photos that look like him from centuries ago. Just because this not is not a yet. conspiracy um, theory podcast. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> not yet. 
<laughs> and so we come back to me. Uh, as I said in my preface, my preface, I like music and I like the stories that music tells. I like songs that have a history and the song about death that I am bringing to this round table has a few different names and has actually been sung by many different people. <laughs> you might know this song as the Gambler's Blues, but more likely than that, you have probably heard this song by the name of St. James or the St. James Infirmary Blues. Have either of you heard of it? Nope. No, unfortunately. It is fantastic. It is uh, an American folk song, actually, and we don't know who originally wrote the lyrics, uh, but they have changed over time, and even depending on who you listen to sing it today, they kind of have their own little tiny changes to the lyrics. Uh, the tone, while still being kind of deep and bluesy, can also change depending on who is playing the music and who is singing the lyrics. The St. James Infirmary Blues has some variation on the exact lyrics, but the story it tells generally has three parts. Uh, it always begins, well, it almost always begins with it being sung in either first person, although there are some third person versions, but it starts with either the singer or a man in the song going down to St. James Infirmary, where he sees his girl, his baby, his love stretched out on a long white table looking sweet and fair. The second part of the song discusses how he lets her go and whether she is in heaven or hell, wherever she may be, she won't ever find another sweet man like our protagonist. Like this is usually followed by a uh, cackle or a chuckle by the singer. Uh, even in some of the more melancholy versions, which I really like. And in the final lines of the song, because it's not a super long, like the lyrics aren't super long, it's only about six lines. In the final lines of the song, it seems that the man is essentially, or at least my interpretation of it, he's kind of sobered by the death of his lover and he's planning out his own funeral. In all of the song's versions that I've listened to, he talks about the type of suit he wants to be buried in, the straight-laced shoes, and most importantly, he asks that uh, when he is buried, that there is a solid 20 gold piece on his watch chain so the boys will know he died standing pat, or rather he will die as he lived, presumably as a wealthy man. Sometimes St. James Infirmary, it's played almost cheerfully, the chorus of the song ringing out amongst a half dozen instruments, though it begins and ends with a tragic sounding piano solo. Sometimes it is played very slowly, with the singer's voice melancholy, and the trumpet is the only excitable thing through the whole song. The song has been played by Louis Armstrong and Cab Calloway. Louis did his rendition in the 1920s, and it was very slow, and you think it will be sad, but he chuckles to himself after the first and second parts. Back. 
Uh, it's been done by John Batiste, The White Stripes, and The Devil Makes Three does a really great version that I'm fond of. But my absolute favorite version of the song by far is the version done by Hugh Laurie. Uh, so aside from being just a phenomenal actor, Hugh Laurie actually has a very unique voice and is a fantastic piano player, oddly enough. Huh. And he, yeah, not just a great fake doctor on TV. With an amazing <laughs> fake American accent. Fantastic, right? He actually kind of has a bit of an American accent when he sings too, which is interesting. But he did a version of St. James Infirmary for his 2011 album, Let Them Talk. And uh, it's on the Isle album, but I really highly recommend that you actually look up the live performance of it on YouTube as it's part of a celebration of New Orleans blues. I went down to St. James Infirmary. It's absolutely fantastic, and it's probably one of my all-time favorite pieces of music. Um, I also really recommend the Devil Makes Three and Louis Armstrong versions, as they each have their own kind of different takes in the song, and they're both very layered and wonderful. I'm not a big fan of the Cab Calloway version. but it does come with a music video of sorts, of sorts, which is kind of interesting because it's from the Betty Boop special where she's Snow White. So Cab oh. Calloway is animated as a clown and he's singing St. James Infirmary while like Betty Boop is getting carried off by the seven dwarves. It's very, very, very weird. Hmm. All right, Betty Boop has a lot of cultural power for some reason. I don't know why. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the St. James Infirmary Blues kind of... I started listening. I stumbled across the Hugh Laurie version of it. And I listened to it on repeat a lot, usually at work. And it's one of the few songs that I actually sing. Or at least I can't sing well, but it's one of the few songs that I enjoy singing. And it's just really interesting how this song has kind of traveled through history and time and it's it's had a couple lyric changes but it's kind of stayed the same since the 19th century from what i can tell but main it's interesting as well because it's not just the protagonist of the song isn't just dealing with the death of his lover like it almost makes him it sparks the conversation in his mind with himself or it sparks the thought in his mind like oh what do I want when I die? Oh, well, I want a double-breasted suit. I want a 20 gold piece on my watch chain. So it's it's a really interesting song. And blues, blues in particular, has a very strong connection with death, especially with the afterlife, especially because we tie a lot of... It, it, they sing about morality a lot. And even just like the real-life folklore around blues as a genre is really interesting especially because a lot of the early blues musicians like Robert Johnson were, you know, said to have sold their soul for some six finger picking skills. When you're um, so good at music that only, you only could have gotten that skill through the devil. That's how you know you've gotten <laughs> really good. Give me yeah. the robot devil hands. <laughs> <laughs> Little Futurama reference in there. Love it. I, um, 
I really want to do a full episode all about music and death in season two. Still not sure which angle I'm exactly going to take with it, whether it's blues and morals or funeral songs. But as I said, I love the stories. And we've heard some great ones with everybody's songs tonight. So we all took some very different takes on it, which is super cool. I think it's kind of curious that, and I don't, I haven't read the lyrics, full lyrics to your choice, Christia, but Mariah's choice mentions kind of returning to the earth. And then my song's choice mentioned being burned and the ashes being carried away with the wind. So it seems, at least from the songs that we've kind of chosen, there's this theme of returning to nature to some extent, which I feel is what a lot of people conceptualize about death. But I think in our modern a- age, we seem so disconnected from nature. Like we put ourselves in boxes and stuff ourselves full of formaldehyde and buried in coffins. And it seems so abnormal from actually the return to nature that we've, so for so much of history, that's what humans have done. So I think that's a bit of it. Like, I understand you haven't heard the exact lyrics. I think it's a little bit of a stretch for St. James Infirmary, because I think he's more obsessed with um, what he goes out with. The protagonist is more obsessed with, you know, kind of what goes with him, as opposed to where he goes or how he gets there. Yeah. Um, Some renditions of the song will actually name a cemetery, but uh, for the most part, he's just talking about, well, I died and I want to take, I want to make sure that uh, wherever I end up, I'm wearing a nice suit and I got a, I got a nice hat. Some mm-hmm. nice shoes on. <laughs> well, at least two out of the three are talking about nature, so trend. Yeah. Trend alert. This, <laughs> this well, guy's I think just all, talking all about three. his stuff. <laughs> I think all three of them really do touch on the kind of practicalities and actualities of death. The the decomposition, the kind of parade around funerals, the actual uh, quote-unquote grave goods that you're buried wearing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of the kind of stuff that's not not really that afterlife sort of stuff. It's not about, you know, the immortal soul. It's like the very practical bits about dying, which I think is interesting, too, because when we're talking about music and when artists are writing on the topic and kind of almost meditating on death and how to think about it and how to interact with it, that it's something that comes up in three very different songs that it kind of breaks down to the practical stuff right death planning how do you manage your funeral and those and what is a funeral for uh what happens to your body after you die so i think that's really interesting and i'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that's more about the immortal soul right there's all of the gospels and hymns and stuff that i'm sure take place in uh, kind of more ecclesiastical spaces which i extremely under practice with. I've been to church twice in my whole life and I slept through both of them. Uh. <laughs> That's probably just a consequence of who we are as people and the music tastes that we gravitate towards yeah. for the fact that these are the songs that we selected. They're things that we already pretty much listen to and know of. So mm-hmm. maybe we are just more interested and invested in the practical side of things. I, I think that's a fair assumption one could make about us, given 
what we're doing right now in the podcast that everybody <laughs> yeah. out there is listening to. Maybe everybody this in the whole you world too. is listening to this. Everybody. <laughs> I yeah, big shout out to people listening not in Canada and aren't people who we have directly yelled at to listen to our podcast. Big shout out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Uh, we big appreciate your time. Out. Big shout out to uh, Barack Obama. I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> doubt. Really, really glad to have you here with us. Say hi to Michelle for me, please. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening out there and you have some songs about death that you think we should know about, hit us up on Instagram and on Twitter, and maybe we'll put together a little morbid medley on Spotify with all of... <laughs> yes. An actual all medley. Of the, an actual medley, like a musical medley of... Maudlin, morbid, and macabre songs about death. Give us your favorite songs. But yeah, so please do hit us up with your favorite songs about death. There will surely be more episodes about songs and music and death, as Christia has already alluded to. And Hell yeah. A little peek behind the curtain. Often, if we are re- if we're recording or if it's pre or post recording, if we get on the topic of music, we're all here for an extra hour. Yeah. Before something like needing to pee or get food or tend to other living beings in our dwellings uh, takes pre- <laughs> takes uh, priority. Yeah. Wasn't so, it last time that we ended up talking about concerts for like an hour? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. So we're all very passionate about music. And if there's ever a spinoff <laughs> of this podcast where we just talk about music for hours, uh, that's a possibility. But there will be more on this topic. So please send us your songs. I'm lonely mm-hmm. over on Twitter. Come send me your stuff. I really appreciate uh, music recommendations myself. So I do have my my little lane that I, I stay in and what I like to listen to. But I do appreciate going outside that every once in a while. So Nice. <laughs> See you next time. See you next time. Mortals Podcast is created, hosted, and edited by three morbidly curious individuals, Christia, Mariah, and Janine. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast Mortals, on Tumblr at Mortals Podcast, and on Instagram at Mortals underscore podcast. Our music is A Mermaid's Eulogy by Etienne Roussel. Thanks for listening, mortals. Take care of yourselves out there. <laughs>